Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired. Kairos. Shazanga. back another edition of shots fried is about to be in the books now this is a big week a massive week ufc 254 about to go down one of the biggest fight cards of the year now i don't want to sound cruel i don't want to sound menacing i don't want to sound um mean but let's just imagine when i throw it out to you guys you know usual creeping death is going to be a little bit different this week when we introduce ourselves i want you to name either a fighter or a promoter, or it could be even a media member who you'd be happy to sacrifice to the gods to make sure that UFC 254 actually <laughs> takes place. Now, I'm going to kick off just before I throw it over to G, who will then pass it on. But I'm going to kick off with. Hmm. What am I going to kick off with? You know, in preparing this intro, I should have actually prepared my own. Man, I'm winging it. I'm killing this intro now. I'm gonna go with mm, Frank Shamrock. Oh wow! Oh, okay. Okay. I would like only because he's one bitter motherfucker. Yes, he's a legend. (laughs) But have you ever met a person? Have you ever come across a person so salty? Anyway, G. Um, <laughs> wow, I was not expecting Frank I would Shamrock. like to sacrifice anybody involved in the production of Cage Fighters. That's what I would like to do. <laughs> oh, go. Ain't this show called Shot Shots fired. Oh, my God. Jeez. I don't know who, who, who I'd sacrifice, man. It's... Oh. God, I don't, that's, it's, it's harsh, man. Like, who... who, who like... It's for I don't have beef with anybody or for the greater good. Come on, she's saying it's for the greater oh, good. This card survives if this person gets sacrificed to Odin. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sacrifice to Odin. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody or, or whatever. Like, the, the, uh, Does it have to be somebody UFC related? Because obviously it's a UFC card. If it's a sacrifice, it's it has a sacrifice. to be somebody. Got to be, be an MMA. Got to be a fighter, be promoter, okay. or media member. How about the schmo? Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, dude. I was waiting for some... Oh, my God. Anyway, I had my turn. I had my turn. Yeah, I was about to say, you can't just be making more sacrifices. Okay, if I had to sacrifice somebody, somebody from... Okay, let, you know what? Come back to me. I'm going to take a look at the rankings. And just <laughs> say, take a look at... Somebody, somebody ain't going to be there. Kairos, I'm sure, has somebody. Listen... I'm willing to sacrifice all of bare knuckle boxing, wow. including the people True. who work for it, including True. the promoters. All of y'all yeah. got to go. I'm sick of how y'all are trying to represent your sport. Y'all are so unprofessional, letting the fighters push each other over and touch each other. Multiple, like all of y'all got to go, and it counts because a lot of them are former mixed martial arts. So get them the fuck out of my airwaves, off of my Instagram, yeah. and off of my Twitter. I'm sorry if you fight for them. I'm sorry if you like watching 
Fuck you, motherfuckers. Mm. Wow. Autumn Lobo. Okay. Has just been fine. sacrificed. Good. Get him the fuck out of here. Right, facts. Well, <laughs> well you know what? Who mm. I'd sacrifice? I would sacrifice uh, Mr. Mike Perry. That's mm. who I'd sacrifice for. for Which this, is a uh, smooth segue, sir. A smooth segue. I go. I do have a smooth voice and smooth segue hey. capabilities. I've, I was blessed with that. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling myself. That's all right. <laughs> well, Mike, I got it from here because it's time to talk about stank ass Mike Perry. So, mm. once again, fellas, we are gathered here to discuss Mike Perry and his most recent scandal. So, as you all know, we've discussed his previous relationship with ex-wife Danielle Nickerson, aka Platinum Princess, a few weeks ago on this show. And last time we discussed this, Danielle was looking for the biggest platform to share her story in which she alluded to domestic violence with her ex-husband, Mike Perry. Initially, she wanted to discuss this with Ariel Helwani or Joe Rogan, and uh, unfortunately, both men ignored her request. However, Simon Samano wow. from MMA Junkie gave her this platform, and man, did she have a lot to say. And also, shout out to him for um, mm -hmm. handling this so delicately and beautifully. Um, so, but pump the brakes though, before we even get to, you know, before we even get to listening to this interview, remember Mike Perry released a quick tweet out of nowhere saying, oh, his ex-wife was about to make accusations about him. He, he denied mm -hmm. ever putting his hands on her, but he did admit to an anger management and alcohol problem. So you could kind of tell he was trying to get ahead of some sort of bombshell, correct? Like you yes, knew something. that was damage limitation. You knew something was up, word. So... Mm. And but quite frankly, y'all, there was nothing he could do to stop this bombshell or to get ahead of it. This hour long interview revealed some pretty scary domestic violence incidents against Danielle. And she detailed an incident where he punched a woman off of a bar stool for talking shit to him. So I think it's important to note that she not only brings attention to the propensity of domestic his propensity to assault women, but not just women he's in a relationship with women in general. Okay, so that's why it's important yeah. to bring that up. So, but real quick, let me explain. He's the type of dude that when you go on a double date with him and you order a couple round of drinks and your date says, you know, something that she doesn't like to him or she says the wrong thing, he will punch your date in the face. And that's what Danielle discussed. And also, too, fact check, brothers. Didn't he do that at that Mexican restaurant where he fought an old man? Yeah. Didn't the altercation begin because he punched a woman in the face? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he had some sort yes. of altercation or strike. Yeah, and I it involved that. alcohol and a double date. So this guy, you cannot double date with him. He will punch your date, and it's absolutely horrible. And the reason why I bring that up, too, is because she's telling us something. We weren't there, but guess what? She's corroborating these events because we saw the, the, the video. We saw his previous behavior, and she's telling us that this is something that he does. So in my mind, I'm like, she's telling the truth. We, we, he, we know that he does this. So pretty much to me, it sounds like she's not lying. So, okay, moving on. She details a very scary incident in which February 10th, he almost killed her while driving home from the club after knocking a woman out cold. Long story short, when they got home, they continued to argue and he put his knee on her back, ground and pounded her until a rib cracked and he was too exhausted to keep beating her. So she had to flee to a, to a neighbor, called his mother and she picked, the mother picked Danielle up. The mother had to call 911 on her own son, Mike Perry, and tell the authorities she feared for her life. Danielle even provided the 911 call, and we were privy to this very scary call. You can actually hear it in the interview. 
She also provided pictures of this injury, which corroborated her story, but MMA Junkie did not release these photos per her request because she did not want to be shamed by the MMA community, which is just horrible. Yeah. Now she says that he's always had a temper. They've had smaller incidents where he would backhand her or slap her, but he became crazy violent after the Jeff Joff Neal head kick knockout. She said everything kind of changed after that. She said he was not the same emotionally after the KO. He alluded to suicide. He could not remember the fight for days on end. He didn't even know he was knocked out. And she believes the combination of alcohol and head trauma from fighting plays a huge role in his aggressive and violent behavior. Okay, so we all know about that Mexican restaurant incident. Dana himself said Mike Perry is not fighting until he's done with some type of like anger management treatment. Supposedly he did um, 30 days, but the UFC noticed they're kind of mum about it, which I find strange. And Dana has not made any statements about Danielle's allegations, not even during a presser in Abu Dhabi this morning. So fellas, my question to you is this. You are the president of the UFC. What is your plan, if any, to help Mike Perry? and others in this situation. And I'm gonna start with Mr. Chisanga. Well, first and foremost, I, 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 I mean, we, we just have to, I, I'm lost, I'm lost mm -hmm. for words, right? In, partic in particular, when she detailed the fact when, when, they, when they got back home and they were having that argument that he, he almost said, she, she said that uh, it was almost like he rubbed uh, American football tackle yeah. to the floor and then put his knee mm -hmm. on her belly and then he, he kept on he kept on just repeatedly laying blows on it that is when i read that i i i, I was flabbergasted right. I, I i really i really really was i i just couldn't believe that a man no less a professional fighter would would do this to would do this to like to, yeah. to any female not not less a female they purport to love mm -hmm. and be, be in love with or, or what have you but as it pertains to what the UFC have to do with Mike Perry, I, I mean, the, the optics of the situation even prior to this were very bad. They were very, exactly. very bad. And now I think, I think you've just got to cut ties with them. You can't have, you, if if you keep Mike Perry on the roster, it essentially, it's not saying that you, oh yeah, you're, you're you're completely down with domestic violence or whatever. But it's saying that depending on who it is, if it's somebody of some note and ha he has some traction that you're willing to brush it under the carpet and that's not you, you can't do that if you want this sport to be taken seriously when serious incidents like this happen you have to take the strongest action possible and i mean like can you well do, do you remember the incident with uh with ray rice like how many years ago when yes. he punched his girlfriend so in, the, in the lift in the elevator I mean, right it was so mm. in the elevator yeah I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he got cut immediately, immediately. so you yeah <clears throat> If there's any evidence, well, there there is evidence. I'm not I'm not say, saying that in, as in I don't believe Danielle. I believe her wholeheartedly. But if there's any evidence of any sort of wrongdoing, any sort of domestic violence, I think at the very the very least, the UFC have to one suspend the fighter indefinitely until the until litigation is is played out and everything. And if they are proven to have committed the same crime, you have to cut them. With Mike Perry, I've I'm sorry, like. He, He's had more lives than, than a cat. He has to be cut. Mm. 
Interesting. I wonder if they really are going to cut him because if you think about it, he's not a Conor McGregor and he's also somewhat declining and fans are turned off. Well, not mm-hmm. all of them. You saw the scummy fans online kind of defending oh, him. Oh, gosh, yeah. But yeah. I didn't even really want to go into that. But he's not a money generator, so I wonder if that's a huge possibility as well. But <clears throat> what alarms me is that um, this morning, Dana had a presser, and MMA media didn't ask one question about the hottest yeah. topic. And not hottest topic, but like the biggest news in MMA right now. Not one of them asked Dana a question about it, and he didn't discuss it, which I thought was very odd. But, Mike, what do you think? Mm-hmm. What would you do if you were Dana White? Well, you know what I would do if I was Dana mm-hmm. White? I'd teach them about it and keep on trucking and keep promoting the shit out of his forthcoming fight because Dana has form in this. I mean, don't forget, this is the guy who excused Greg Hardy's behavior. This is the mm-hmm. guy who had, <clears throat> excuse me, Greg Hardy on the same card as somebody who had actually suffered um, domestic violence. This is a guy who on his roster has had um, wife beaters and basically those who have publicly, you know, <laughs> have shown themselves to be questionable in terms of ethics, questionable in terms of morals. I mean, we only have to look at recent history. And, you know, there is a whole slew of fighters. I could reel them off. I mean, the long and the short of it is this. Look, Mm -hmm. Dana White cares about the bottom dollar, and that is making money for the UFC. He's not really going to champion women's rights. He's not going to champion things which he should be looking out for uh, his, his um, well, people on his roster. Remember, you have to keep remembering that this is an opportunity. It's, uh, it's not a career. And that's the way that he looks at you. So in short, Dana White will do nothing and he will use the usual fear tactics that stop the um, MMA media, I was about to say UFC media, the <laughs> MMA media well. from actually saying fuck all because at the end of the day this was a prime opportunity a very very um vocal um media on press row might have actually started a deluge of questions but not one person had the guts to actually raise that now just just before i finish i found it pretty hard going to read um, the account of you know what actually went down it was even tougher because the detail in the video is far greater than the um than the article i tapped out about the time where um mike perry had neon belly and was basically ground and pounding her and and basically to an extent where she suffered like serious damage to the torso to the head and i'm thinking to myself are you telling me that this is the fighter that Dana White is going to continue to have around. This is the fight of that, you know, Dana White is going to excuse. But forget about, let's just for a second, just if you, if you want to be this cruel, forget about what has actually gone on before. This is something that could repeat itself going yeah. forward. You don't just suddenly yeah. um, become somebody who is contrite and no longer um, dealing out that kind of punishment yeah. uh, behind closed doors. This isn't something that happens overnight. That's through therapy. Now, well, okay, Mike, don't get me wrong. I don't really know. You're on to something, though, because remember, Dana White said, you know, Mike Perry's not getting a fight. 
I'm not booking him a fight until we get him some help. And the help was on the low, and then it was only 30 days. And guess what? Now he's fighting Robbie Lawler at UFC 255. There you go. That, first, mm. for, first and foremost, what type of help did they give him? And what cosmetic yeah, help? Yeah, right. And what type of help is only 30 days? Like, I don't. Mm. What type of PR stunt was that? You know? And then you give him another fight. And also, gentlemen, I think it's also time that we also talk about the connection between head trauma. And also domestic violence and also them being a little bit off because of, you know, a career of just being hit in the head over and over again. And if you think about it, there's a lot of these incidents in the UFC and in combat sports in general. I mean, I can off the top of my head, Anthony Johnson, DV, several charges. Don't forget Tiago Silva in Brazil. He lost it. He tried to kill Mm. his um, girlfriend. Okay, they had to call the SWAT team on him. And it just makes me think, like, why isn't anything being done or studies being done on their brains or any type of, like, foundation or, or you know, they need to be studied or their medical evaluations going on? Because how can, some, how can nobody see the connection? Even in this interview, y'all, she even said it. After Joff Neal, he was never the same, and he had a massive head kick to the face. And the results of mm, that was immediate. Yeah. She said as soon as they went backstage, he was not the same. He didn't even know where he was. And nobody says anything about that. Nobody gets him medically evaluated. Is there any insurance? Like, what's going on? I find it bizarre. Yeah. You know, it's it's worrying, as I say. With all of that background, it's worrying. With all of that back catalogue of fighters having gone through... Um, domestic violent charges and actually been found guilty and some of them who has like I say he's excused that you'd you'd have thought that he'd have learned a lesson or be thinking you know let's protect people going forward no I really think that 30 days worth of therapy is a cosmetic band-aid which in the future I I hate to say this I feel that we're going to be having this conversation about no, his we are. It's, it's really just do. people like Mike Perry, they don't just suddenly change because they're having a kid or, you know, and especially a yep. fighter who gets beat yeah. up in training when he when when we don't see him fight in the fight. And on top of it, this guy has a drinking problem. You really think whatever Dana did for 30 days is really going to do anything for him? And here's another concern. If Dana doesn't really care about what's going on and he cares about the brand does he not know that mike perry could affect the brand what if he kills her or you know god forbid or what if he really you know makes national news or now everybody knows mike perry's name because of these incidents and now he has a huge incident and now everybody knows Mm -hmm. about it are they not worried about that fellas my worry as well is that this isn't going to be the last fighter that we hear in um, domestic abuse and domestic violence situations because it's funny, well, I I say that, you know, Mm -hmm. as an aside, it's interesting that the whole CTE issue has been linked back to suicidal thoughts and violence in the home in um, professional football. But yet here we have a contact sport. Here we have a sport Mm -hmm. which brings... Incredible head and trauma fighters and nobody's are joining about the dots. It. I know Vandalay Silver, um, Babalu is also complaining about having memory issues and they, they're all in fear of developing CTE and you have people crying out saying, hey, you know, like I'm at home, I'm acting strangely. And I'm saying this because I've read articles on Vandalay and, and, you know, Babalu that used to fight in Bellator. I don't know if you guys remember him, that older Brazilian fighter. I think oh, Babalu Sobral. Yeah, well, he was in strike yeah. force. Remember well, he held Chuck the choke knocked too him out long? as well. 
Do you not remember? Right. Yes. Yeah. Like, he, he killed him, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with that quick. head kick. I remember that, yes. yeah. Yes. And these are fighters that are actually vocal about what's going on at home, and nothing is being done. It's just unreal. But, Kairos, what are your thoughts, and what would mm. you do if you were Dana White? Or the president of the company, you know? Well, it's no surprise. Yeah, um, it's no surprise that I've never been the biggest fan of Mike Perry. I've been like Me trying too. to shit on that dude for as long as possible, mm -hmm. just because I could tell the type of person he is. And now that people are starting to finally figure it out, like I don't care anymore. I'm not like gonna waste my breath on people who either don't believe it or need mm -hmm. convincing at this point. Like, fuck y'all. As far as Dana White is concerned, um, I think he's in a peculiar situation. I think the only reason why he's not like cutting Mike Perry like off of like this off rip is simply because he's probably afraid of a lawsuit in the end. He's probably afraid that there's going to be some sort of recourse if he were to do that to Mike Perry. I feel like that's the only rational thing in my head that Dana White's probably like sitting back and saying, "Well, I can't cut unless he's just." But how like do you cut him when you have like you're resigning Anthony Johnson? He just recently didn't show up to court for one of his allegations. You know, he has stuff in court, and he just got signed, and he's about to enter the USADA pool if I if I remember correctly from yeah. reading. So, like, how do you let go of Mike Perry, but then you take an abuser in with open arms? <laughs> listen i have no clue about the mm -hmm. rationale or the course of action like of his of his mental if we're just being honest i was about to say that i was about to bring up multiple cases of different athletes who have been underneath the ufc yes. banner who either committed crimes been convicted of crimes or being charged with crimes that he allowed to compete during it we talk about the same two guys every single time mm -hmm. i'm not going to mention their names you guys already know mm -hmm. who i'm talking about who, what they did what they got convicted of, and what they got accused of there's been other people who the similar fate has happened there's been like men women everything underneath the banner who've been accused of stuff and been like convicted and been like charged for stuff and a lot of the time they get to walk away scot-free mm -hmm. until it's too late and then we have to do damage control as for mike perry's announcement on social media i was like ain't that no facts. way in hell that dumb right. motherfucker wrote that shit so he had that prepared i don't even from think a lawyer, lawyer. He went to a yeah lawyer. that they was a friend that. yeah they printed that or, out from or PR or whatever it was yeah. friend yeah. somebody mm -hmm. somebody did it yeah <laughs> yeah somebody did that for him and then the thing that I do want to touch on is the fact yes. that you mentioned about traumatic brain injuries and CT and MMA. The same reason why the NFL was suppressing that information for decades, the same it. reason why yeah. the UFC and other MMA promotions are going to do that because of the lawsuits they are going to open themselves up for for that. You, the, I'm sorry, not the, the NFL had to do so much in damage control when that I happened. Like, yeah. If you guys Very ever compelling. saw the movie Concussion yeah. with Will Smith being Will the doctor Smith. who discussed that and I, I was I remember reading about this stuff in articles as it was going on and like that sort of thing and I was just like the amount of money that the NFL had to put out to pay people as well as to revamp the entire sport with new safety protocols bringing in specialists bringing in people to understand how certain equipment works and revamping the entire mm -hmm. infrastructure of the organization you do you think the UFC no. is trying to do that no, they do don't even pay their fighters. They're not going to do they, that. We can't even afford to pay y'all enough to live in an apartment. You think we give a fuck about your health? That's what Dana's Facts. thinking right now. Yep. You think we give a fuck about you? No, you're going to be up and out of this organization in the next five to ten years, and that's going to be that. They're not going to allow y'all to dictate anything with this organization. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm sorry and, to tell you. And it doesn't really help either that CTE, from what I, from my knowledge, is something yeah. that is discovered in death. Like they have yeah. to examine your brain. And so that doesn't really help either because it's like, what do you do in the meantime? Yeah. You just wait for them to act crazy and die. Then you'd be like, they had it. Like, what do you do for someone that's in a contact sport where they're getting hit in the head mm -hmm. a lot? But I think that's why an organization like UFC and the NFL need to pour money mm -hmm. into studies like that. And, you know, their work needs to be done. If you want these people to go out here and put their lives on the line for you to make money, you have to take care of them. And 
what they're doing is affecting their home, their lives. Because it's like, what struck me the most was that she was like, the Joff Neal knockout just changed him. And I'm like, that is yeah. brain drama. And it's just so sad. Like, he's a victim as well, you know? But to, to answer my own question, if I was Dana White, I would do the right thing, but I'm not Dana White. I would cut um, Mike Perry and I would instill a UFC code of conduct in reference to domestic violence allegations. And I would have something done beautifully and I would have to make an example of somebody. And it would be Mike Perry because what I heard was pretty scary. And also, too, like last week, me and Mike were joking about like being a supervisor and being a manager. I'm always thinking about liabilities. If I was Dana, I'd be thinking ahead like this guy's going to fuck things up. He's using the N word. He's on video. Now the ex-girlfriend is like he ground and pounded me. I wouldn't want that associated with my company. I'd let him go. But that's just it. That's why I said, you know, if I was Dana White, I would do Dana White shit. And that is... Why would he do that when his form and his kind of raison d'etre is to make money? Dana White isn't yeah. going to do jack shit. What he's going to do is business as usual, which, you know, funnily enough, is what's playing out yeah. right now. Yeah. And and um, real quick, I know we're focusing on the UFC and Dana White and Mike Perry. We need to give her just like a minute of our time because like, yeah. man, that was such a, a compelling yeah. interview. Yeah. She's brave. And... And it was exactly what I told y'all when we talked about this the first time. Remember, folks was like, why does she want the biggest platform? Yada, everybody thought she was being a bird and yada, yada, yada. And it was like, when you listen to this interview, you hear her finally say, I just want to help people. And not only did she not only help people in this interview, she started an organization. She has an um, Instagram page where other victims can talk to her and they, they um, share positive affirmations. She is in therapy. And she also said... You know, she's doing this to help him as well. So it's like everything we discussed during that episode held true. So now I think for anybody that said these terrible things about her, all of them should eat shit and feel mm-hmm. really, really bad. Because I believe every word. And then on top of it, she's helping people. And a lot of women, like I said in the last show about this, wouldn't have said anything and moved mm-hmm. on with their and lives. Do, do, and that's not what she's doing. Yeah, and do you know what? She could have easily gone to one of these yeah. like t- tabloid newspapers in America or like say for instance like you know the National Enquirer or something they yep. could have paid her, they could have paid her like 50 or 100 grand mm-hmm. to to do like a, ma- a massive story or mm-hmm. what have you but no she just went to MMA Junkie like obviously it's a mixed martial arts website but she wanted to get the message out specifically exactly. to mixed martial arts fans she didn't want like this massive expose like and to put, paint the ufc in a bad light and to put herself back in the spotlight because she's been out of it ever, ever since they divorced no she did it to highlight this this and i just like exactly. the mental fortitude and strengths that she has because obviously to some degree, like you, you when you read it there and yeah. she said that, yeah, I'm also doing this for him. You can tell that to some degree she still loves this man. So, uh, you, you, yeah, you could hear that in the and, interview. And and you know what else too? You know what else I think? I think just from myself being a woman, mm-hmm. when I look at Latori, his new girlfriend, yeah. I just want a big sister her. And most women, like in the in the DMs, in the chats, MMA Twitter, other women I talk to, we all do. We're all like, is she okay? Does her mom know she's dating this man? We're all like that. And I guarantee you she feels the same way. She has been through so much with him. You, she's probably the only person that knows what yeah. Latori is going through behind closed doors. And she is trying to help her. Because remember, everybody was like, she's that bitter. Narrative. She's yeah. this. Oh People God. are just so awful in this world. Oh my, I knew right away, if I don't even know Latori and I felt 
innately I wanted yeah. to protect her. You know what I mean? Can you imagine someone that being his ex, knowing what you went through, and now you know behind closed door, behind those fake smiles, behind that baby shower, she's probably might be a victim as well. And I'm putting yeah. money on it. I, you know what yep. I mean? And yeah. I think she wanted to help her as well. She's a good person, and it's a damn shame our community dragged her like that. But I will say this. I think she blew it out the water because I'm seeing a lot of people online backpedal. I'm seeing mm -hmm. men stand up for her and stuff like that. So I think the community needed to kind of drag her and then be like, oh, shit, we wrong. He's a piece of shit. And then now maybe yeah. perhaps they'll learn to listen this to victim victims because this woman's telling like, the truth. The, the fact that people resort to that just to just because they're a fan of somebody and they're like, oh mm -hmm. no, they couldn't possibly do this, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. There must be some ulterior motive or, or whatever mm -hmm. behind it. No, I, I hate, yeah. it, it's it's almost like, you know, the, the typical example that if, if somebody has been charged with rape or whatever, somebody will say, oh, well, the person's innocent until proven guilty. That just, that just immediately casts doubt I can't over the, the, the victim's claim. Yeah. And victim. Mm. Chisanga, the craziest thing about it is that most victims tell yes. the truth. Statistically, they tell the truth. If you, if you if you look into it, statistically, they tell the truth. So we exactly. should believe the victim, which is bizarre to me. It's we don't have a pattern of framing men or lying mm -hmm. about you know sexual assault. The pattern is that we're being assaulted and we're telling the truth, but we're being dragged for it. So I think not only did she help other victims and other people. Man, she helped our community by being like, look, I was telling exactly. the truth. Look what you said to me. Now look. And I, and I do get that feeling online. You can kind of tell a bunch of men are kind of like, I'm going to just shut my mouth on this. You can see it. You can feel it. And I'm really happy she did that. But thank God we discussed this on the show previously. Every last one of us mm -hmm. gave us her support. Mm -hmm. And we believed her from jump. And I'm really proud of this show and everybody I work with because we knew right away that you heard Kairos. He knew from yeah. jump the man wasn't shit. I knew he wasn't shit. When he started dropping that N-word and culture vulture and now he, all that crap he does. And not to mention, y'all know what I used to do for a living. When I heard he burglarized someone's yeah. home, I was like, get him out of here. Get him <laughs> out of here. Like, you, you broke in someone's house and took their shit and then now you still, he's not that type that looks like he's redeeming himself. You just a fighter and you out here acting a mess. Mm -hmm. Get out of here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I never liked him like Kairos, and I'm so glad that she is blowing him out the water with yeah. the truth. I, you, know? I, you, you summed it up absolutely perfectly there, G. And I, I, yeah, I, he deserves what, it. what annoys me, he again, as, as I said, is, is this victim blaming and the fact that there's clear evidence showing and clear proof showing that Mike Perry's character is questionable. That's the best way, that's the best way for, for me to put it. Exactly. We knew it without her being saying it. We've seen the videos. Mm -hmm. We've seen his awful behavior. He has it's, a criminal yeah, record. Not to say everybody who has a yes. criminal record is a criminal. Right. But you, it's the totality of the circumstances. Mm -hmm. He burglarized a home. He's racial slurs in the corner. Racial slurs on Twitter. Um, and then, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm comfortable with Latori's age. I know they're legal, yeah, but she seems like a like, child. It doesn't. And you know? do you know what? It just, it like, it's reading... Not, yeah. What Daniel Danielle was saying, she was like, "Oh yeah, it was fine up until this point, up until the Jeff Neal uh, situation." So now you just feel for Latori mm -hmm. even more because you know that she's getting the worst of it. At least Danielle had some. Yeah, at yep. least Danielle That's had why she's some. Doing it. Yes. Some good moments with with Mike and like prior to because obviously there's been a deterioration with CTE as well. Let like let's not let's not completely discount mm -hmm. that as well. But it right. You're basically saying Latori's mm -hmm. dealing with him after that that 
horrible head kick which altered his behavior that's the person she's getting is what mm-hmm. Chisanga is saying yeah. which is really fucking scary okay so and shout out to her because I, I, I swear to y'all I think she did it because she's like what they having a baby look how young she is oh hell no and she's helping other people on the side with her website she did it she perfectly timed it it's beautiful and I quite understand why she did it and she needs to be commended but you know that's all I got for today but I'm really really happy with how this transpired and I want to see where this goes I really hope Dana does the right thing and I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and be optimistic about it I'm really hoping we get the news that he's cut or at least suspended indefinitely and the and the fight with Robbie's off speaking of that's my wish speaking of fucking scary be afraid cage fighter too be very afraid <laughs> Well, what Sorry, I'm bringing to the table oh, this week Jiu-Jitsu Jiu-Jitsu the movie Released November 20th So we haven't got long to actually wait It's based on a comic book So all you comic book fans out, out there Your dream has been realised In movie form It stars Nicolas Cage And uh, did you know that um, Nicolas Cage Actually trained under Horace Gracie A little, oh, really? no, little known fact for you Anyway, um, yep Frank Grillo, uh, you might remember him from um, (laughs) (laughs) Captain America. (laughs) And Tony Jaa, come on. You must remember Ong Bak. Anyway, so it's got like an all-star cast and it's directed by Dimitri Logothetis, uh, who also directed Kickboxer Retaliation. It's had a two, well, 24 million uh, budget. So there's a lot of uh, money that actually went into it. And literally... This is the synopsis for Jiu-Jitsu. Every six years, a portal opens, unleashing a vicious alien who will do battle with Earth's mightiest warriors. Now, this time, this time when the portal opens, because remember, it's every six years, this time he faces an ancient order of Jiu-Jitsu fighters. Now, if anybody listening knows me in real life, you'll know this movie is right up on Mike Street. It ticks all the boxes. It's so bad, it's good. It's a cross between <laughs> Alien, Stargate, and Predator. Man, I'm rubbing my hands. I just can't wait. The only thing that kind of threw me off, this ancient jiu-jitsu um, order doesn't actually feature any jiu-jitsu in the actual trailer. Now, we each saw it. So my question to you this week... What have we got to look forward to in this movie, Jiu-Jitsu, and oh, what did man. you make of the trailer? G. Oh, <laughs> I saw Nicolas Cage and turned the trailer <laughs> off because I haven't watched a Nicolas Cage movie in so long. What? I think the last one I liked was... Oh, I he was a like good actor movies. back in the I'm day. Give the, man the, give the man the money. He was, was. yeah, is. like no, 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 that like Face Off and all those classic Nicolas Cage movies. Raising Arizona, Bird. Right, right. I think there's another one. Con Birdie, Air, come on. You didn't, say the, you didn't say the classic Con Air. Con Air, yes. Uh, there's even one on the low, Birdie or something, when I watched when I was a little girl. It's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. But as he got older, man, he's crazy. <laughs> Y'all saw him in that pink jacket and that, <laughs> he was in New York, in some pink jacket and some, like, <laughs> the, you know, like a face mask oh, that looks like God. something you wear to prom. It was all <laughs> shimmery and shit. Yeah, I don't I don't really watch his movies, but Mike has got me into this MMA movie nonsense. So I'm going to watch it and crack up laughing and cluck about it on this show. I cannot wait because Mike is really getting me into this stuff. But the aliens and all that stuff, it just kind of turns me off. I mean, Cage Fighters was enough for me. But yeah, like, hey, hey, I mean, just aliens and and jujitsu, man, like, like, I, I, I. 
All right, yeah, I'm intrigued. On, I like I like sci-fi films and, and and what have you. I like being taken mm. away into fictional worlds and what have you. And it's combining a martial art that that I'm into as well. So you know what? I'm I'm gonna watch it. Like I mean, the trailer. Obviously, we didn't see any jujitsu or, or what have you, but they're not gonna give away the. Nicholas Cage defeats the final alien with a flying triangle. That if if you know what I mean, that's that's my prediction. That's what's probably going to happen. That's what that's probably, that's what's probably going to happen. And then, yeah, but okay, like I'm looking. I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being entertained and seeing what well, what if ever if it's even possible if you can actually combine jujitsu with intergalactic battles and portals and what what have you. Because you never know, it could be a trend. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, Kairos, y'all are some goddamn haters. I saw this all online. People talking, there ain't no jujitsu in this movie. Yes, there is. The movie's called Jujitsu, not Brazilian Jujitsu. <laughs> okay, how about, oh, uh, oh, 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 is that the only Jujitsu y'all know about? Right. Everybody only know about right. Y'all are, y'all, there are. That is close combat by definition. And hand to hand or with That's a weapon. Y'all are true. tripping right That's now. True. Educate yourselves first and foremost. That's Second true. of all, respect yes. Nicholas Cage's yes. acting prowess. Ne- this no. man, yes. when you act in so many movies, you're gonna have misses. When you take a lot of shots, all of them are gonna hit. I can They're all misses whole- right now. Oh. the last movie that was dope from him. They all uh, trash man. The last movie. That. Okay, I don't know about the last movie being recently, but he has a lot of great movies in his catalog. He, he was in the rock, he was in Gone in sixty seconds. He was in next he was in kick ass lord of war is one of my favorite movies of all time like bro y'all are tripping with this right now yeah all all i gotta say is simple yeah exactly kick ass was dope Mm. yes i read the books and i have the movie yes yes thank you that's all i'm trying to say y'all are so quick to hate on this man and i there's samuel jackson and denzel washington have been in some bad movies yeah, no okay. one's to talk yeah, about I, that exactly. all of you guys favorite actors got some trash ass movies so what you're forgetting many, what, y'all i just okay. pulled okay. up on google jesus christ he, i'm pretty sure like he owes the irs a shit ton of money like that's why that's why he's pumping out all these shit. Oh, films. That's why yeah. he's pumping so, them like, out. Okay, I, I'm sure. Okay, I'm sure he's getting. Okay. I'm sure he got the, the the script for jujitsu, the pitch from his agent, and then I'm sure, I'm sure he rolled his fucking eyes. And, he was like, great. Well, uh, but then, but then he looked at he looked at the the uh, the balance, and he saw that he's still in the red to the IRS, and he's like, well, you know what, We've got to do it. So. Yeah, and it's not the actor's fault that they're in a shitty-ass movie. It's the directors in the... Like, I remember um, Will Smith in a famous interview said that The Matrix came and interviewed him first for that part. And he heard them pitch it to him. He said, fuck no. And he was like, I ain't doing this. And Keanu Reeves got it next, and the shit took off. If Will Smith was the one in that movie, we would be playing... I don't think Will Smith could play that role very well. I'm just going to be realistic. I don't think it could. No, it's not for him. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. that's why I'm giving a lot of actors some slack on this. And I think this movie, I'm not sitting here saying it's going to win a Golden Globe or an Academy Award. or That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that this this ain't going to be as shitty as y'all are trying to make it seem. Stop trying oh to discredit it. Aliens and jujitsu. <laughs> yes. Come on now. Stop. I say the best to last. <laughs> I, got in, I got in contact with the production company who are responsible for um, the release, which, as I say, is November 20th. And I have secured us a screener link, oh. and we <laughs> will all be watching this together. This is my plan. 
that we all sit down and we watch this and we do a podcast whilst we're oh, watching it. Come okay. on now. <laughs> what is to hate about this? Yeah, likewise, I mean, man. I'm but, down. But, I'm, I'm down. Guess. I'm down. I might have to smoke a joint but I'm down. You know? So as soon as they send me that link, we are recording. But anyway. Well, 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 you you, you were talking. Kairos, what are you bringing to the You can't gloss over the Uh, the other MMA film that you sent through to the chat the other day. How could you gloss it? Oh, Uh, yes. No, no, no. That's, ah, that's the next God week. damn it. Each week. Oh, come on, let's, oh, let's, 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 let's not blow our load yep. too soon. <laughs> Story of my life. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Kairos, what are you bringing to the table? Guys, I'm calling an audible right now. I told you what I was going to talk about. Fuck that. We're moving on to something else. Should the UFC be promoting Habib Nurmagomedov as heavy as they are right now when we know his retirement is imminent. Every single time I turn around the corner, the most dominant dominant champion in UFC history, undefeated, this guy's gonna do da-da-da-da-da. It's like, okay, I understand he is all of those things and he is doing all of those things. But this guy's leaving soon. You're attaching all this money onto a rocket that's never gonna come back. like what and what happens if Ga- Justin Gaethje not if when Justin oh. Gaethje tunes this man up on Saturday you guys are investing so much in this man and not the person that he's going up against or other contenders in the same division or other superstars or what about people in other prom- not promotions let me chill out in other weight classes right we are putting so much we are investing so much in Habib right now and you're probably not going to get the return that you're investing on if we're just going to be realistic. They say that there's pay-per-view numbers of this are trending past McGregor versus Nurmagomedov, which I believe is straight-up hot dog shit. Ain't no way in fucking hell that's true. But I'm just saying, like, even on the off chance that it is true, I don't think you guys are going to get the return that you're expecting based off of investment. What do you think? But Dana is the promoter. Promoter's going to promote. When you think about this, he's doing a fucking excellent job. Think about this. We all know where this is heading. Yes, he is basically mm. at the apex of his career. Yes, he will be retiring, but still, we're kind of like, like some kind of like Pavlov's dog. Every single time that Khabib's <laughs> name is mentioned, we're salivating. We want to yeah. see this man, even though we know he's at the end of his career. Now, hats off to Dana. A lot of people shit on him, but come on, you cannot argue that he is oh, one yeah. of the top promoters on the planet. Look at us all now. What are we talking about? That's true. He's he's Dana is a really really good promoter, and also too, Kairos. There is there is we need to suck be dry. Are you kidding me? Even whether he's gonna retire or not, there's money to be made, baby. He's an international star. He's bigger yeah. than we think. He's huge in Russia. Okay, so whether he retires next week or five years from now, they get paid every time he Mm. walks around, shows his face, does media, does a fight. Don't forget, wasn't the biggest gate or the biggest, I don't know, revenue was him and Connor? And he's also kind of like a superstar since Connor as well. So, you know, you can juice him pretty good up until he retires. And if you're Dana White, that's exactly what you're going to do. Yeah. Okay, but here's the problem. Yeah. I'm assuming he's retiring at 30 and 0 because that's what his father wanted him to do. So I'm we're under the I'm under the assumption yeah. that he mm-hmm. has what? Is that two fights left? Yeah. Okay, great. How much money are you investing in promoting this pay-per-view on televisions with commercials? How much are you investing in all that? How much are you going to get back from these pay-per-views? If you guys had to tell me how many pay-per-views this one's going to sell this Saturday, uh, what would be your ballpark? 
I think it's going to oh, do I'm at least it, it's it's going to do upwards of a million, hundred percent. I think. All right, granted, I was going to go for one point two mil. ESPN gives them five hundred thousand off okay. automatically. So where um, do you think they're going to end up? Let's I think maybe about too. one point. All right, with 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 that factored in, okay, I th- I'm going to say one, around one point seven. I think it's going to like I, people don't realize how like wow. you you said there before G just how big a star Habib is. Not not just not just in oh my God. not just in Eastern Europe, but in the Middle East as well. And th- this this is catered prime time for yes. for the uh, for the Middle East and Eastern Europe as well. So I mean, it, it's it's going to do a lot of numbers. And even in the UK, I think it's going to do very well as well. Even though we have to pay twenty pounds for, which is uh, that's another thing anyway. But uh, yeah. It, it's still going to do well. Mm-hmm. Can I just pause there? I, I, I know, you know, yeah, we, we are talking about um, a different subject, but just on a related issue there, is that not just um, just that the UFC should be charging for something which is in our time zone, for something which is in our time slot, for something which we're not blurry-eyed and looking at? I, I can't find anything to hate about extra revenue being pumped towards uh, the UFC because they're giving us something which we've asked for and that is a sick card which is basically at a time that we can watch no I get it I know I, I, I get it but I, I just mean like during this, these times of COVID and, and what have you people might know like subscriptions fees to watch sports in the UK are, are, are really really high I don't know if you saw um, last weekend was the first weekend that the Premier League allowed teams to um no, a lot of fans of teams who aren't whose teams aren't playing on the regular TV slots to pay extra extra for them, like an extra fifteen but an extra fifteen pounds a match Ooh. though. And for wow, fa- yeah. why would you do that? It's expensive, man. So like on top of your Sky Sports and your BT yeah. Sports subscription, it's just like it's bleeding fans dry during a time when money's tight. So I'm not equating this to uh, to that because obviously the BT Sport box office thing came in during a long yeah. like a long time ago. But I'm just saying like during this time, like I mean, you you could still generate revenue from from the UK market differently if if you know what I mean. But mm. anyway, but uh, as go, going back to. Uh, to to Habib, I kind of agree with Kairos's point. Like, look, the man is on his way out, and I kind of feel that maybe it's not like well, I'm bring. I'm going to bring up the the case of Ronda Rousey and Amanda Nunes, the under promotion that took place ahead of UFC 206, because yep. the UFC dropped the ball with Amanda. They had a massive. They had an open goal. They had a massive opportunity to promote Amanda as the killer that she is. And uh, the UFC's first openly gay um, champion, like a market where some of their fighters, some of their fighters have said uh, have used homosexual terms ad nauseum or whatever, and they had an opportunity to to show the to show the LGBTQ community that oh yeah we're we're open we're accepting blah blah blah, and we champion our we, we champion our homosexual champion. They missed that, and with Justin Gaethje. Oh yeah, they are giving him promotions. Yeah, they're, they're saying, "Oh yeah, he's the most dangerous man," or, or what have you. But I, I don't think it's anywhere near enough. Fair enough. Yeah, you have to, you have to hype up your poster boy. I'm not saying he's a poster boy of the company or whatever. He's probably number two or number three or, or what have you. But when it comes to when it comes to the situation that we're we're in right now, where Habib could be gone in to, like Habib could be gone in April next april because i think ramadan is starting april 12th 
So if you're the UFC, you're going to want him to compete before that. So realistically, we don't have... It's a matter of months with Habib. It's a matter of months before Habib Nurmagomedov is gone and retired. So I think... Mm-hmm. He looks so sad, too. It's in his eyes. Yeah. He just, I saw him at Media Day this morning, and I'm like, he doesn't want to do this shit. And then you oh, saw him with Stephen God, A. Thomas. Man. They asked him a question about Conor, and he was like, yeah, I, I don't mean, want to talk about this shit. Look, shit. Why do we keep asking about... Uh, well, I'm gonna sound yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah but I'm gonna the sound as if questions. yeah you know why. I'm gonna sound as if I'm like a you know a, a corner here or whatever but why we why we this man hasn't fought in the lightweight division in in two years do, do you know what I mean so like is is he really rele- that relevant in the division that he like he hasn't fought in two years and and he's relevant uh, on Twitter that's what he's good at unless unless not for unless not forget that also like he's only had two fights at lightweight in the UFC's lightweight division. I'm I'm not I'm not saying yeah. this to 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 mock him or deride him or ever, but I mean, and I'm not even fact. I haven't even brought in the fact that Habib, well and truly, there was there was no, there was no um, there was no cause for a rematch. There was no cause None. for a rematch. I mean, the, fair enough if like maybe Connor had him wobbled like re- badly hurt with a second to go before the referee. Uh, jumped in before the end of the round and then Habib took him down and then whatever but there's no, there's nothing there it was and a I, clinical decision it, and I yeah. think that's part of the reason why Khabib keeps getting frustrated he's like one I smoked the dude and mm-hmm. if you think about it what type of motivation does he have to fight someone again that he knows that he can beat quite easily you know exactly. like camps are intense you gotta cut weight you gotta change your diet it affects your life your family your wife you think he wants to do that for Connor? and then on top yeah. of it fighting Connor is stressful Connor says horrible things about his wife. Connor brings religion into things and alcohol and acts crazy. He doesn't want to be bothered with that. And I can't blame him. Last time he fought Connor, he jumped out of a cage to fight his friends. He doesn't yeah. want to do it again. And I guarantee you, Connor's going to turn it up because he has some type of chip on his shoulder with all of them. The, the guy's father was dying and he was talking shit, but then he deletes it. So you know he's going to turn it up because he genuinely dislikes Khabib and those men in Dagestan. And Khabib's like, I'm not here for it. And fellas, he's grieving. He don't want it. He yeah. don't need it. He don't need that energy. Leave him alone. But I will say this, fellas. I don't mind that journalists are asking about his dad. I think I'm the only person that's like, it's a part, it sucks. And yeah. I wouldn't like it either. But that's their job. Don't shit on the journalists. You know what? I, you know what I mean? See, I knew. Ky- see, I knew. Ky- oh, fuck that! Don't yeah. ask him about that. Fuck all that bullshit. No, don't ask. I don't care if it's your. Yeah. There's certain lines you don't need to be crossing. If we're gonna sit here and say, "Oh, don't ask Tony about his mental health issues as a journalist," okay, you can't turn back around and say, "But it's okay to yeah. ask someone about their dead father." Okay, we grill Connor for talking about Habib's father underneath Habib's post. So we aren't going to talk about the fact that Habib's teammates were making coronavirus jokes about it and then deleted after people started to catch it and die from it. How, when is where, where do we draw the line? Why are we muddying yeah. up the goalposts and then moving it when it's convenient for us? Because we can't consistently allow well, people to do this. That's a huge factor in the MMA game. That's why it's not just the the, the juicy gossip factor and all the, the stuff that you're talking about, Kairos. He, he was a prominent man. That had no, an effect but G, on the camp. I think, I think, I think Khabib answered it, and that is, he was asked by a journalist, and I could really see his point here, and it kind of like underlined, and I thought would stop further questions to do with his father. He said, how would you feel if it was your father? Seriously? Yeah. You're asking yeah. this is the question now? 
in yeah. this raw moment at I'm, this time? I'm actually if I turn o- it back I'm on okay you, with how Khab- would you answer that? I'm okay with Khabib shutting it down. I'm just also okay if a, if a journalist wants to ask, and I'm okay if Khabib is like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't drag journalists for doing their jobs. I don't think when a journalist asks that question that their intention is to hurt him, to, to bring, mm-hmm. like, it, it, they, they're not trying to hurt him. Is it insensitive? Yes. But that is a part of journalism. I'm sorry. Like, nah, you, but you, there you are some lazy journalists out there. How did you feel when they asked Rachel Osovich uh, about her abuse? Again, I don't mind if, if they ask certain questions, even if they're pressing a certain issue. It's up to the person to shut it down. And mind you, y'all, I lost somebody to coronavirus that I was very close to. And I yeah. understand how he feels. If y'all was to keep asking me questions about this person, I would shut it down. You understand? Mm. So I understand that. But you have my perspective. I am pro-journalism because the, the moment you start telling journalists that they can't do this and you can't do that, we have a problem. No, but there, there, there are there are levels to the questions. I really do feel in MMA uh, media there are some real lazy journalists out there Absolutely. who basically just go for the lowest common denominator. And just ask the same questions. questions. I mean, they yes. didn't even ask. They yeah. didn't even ask um, Dana White about uh, this bombshell of an interview with, with Mike Perry and Daniel. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. So I agree with you on that, Mike. I'm just. My stance, I'm always pro-journalism. Did I like the questions that they were asking about his dad? No. And to be honest with you, if I was had an opportunity to interview Khabib, even though I'm pro what I'm talking about, I wouldn't ask him about his dad. I just think, you know, the options should be there. I, I think we've, we, like, I mean, you can deviate, like, as, as Mike said, mm-hmm. there, there, there are some members of the MMA media who are just lazy. They might see mm. an interview that Ariel Harani's done, and then they write, all right, okay, I'll just ask these same questions or, or, right. or, or what have you. Like, Habib has spoken ad nauseum about yep. the, the effect that the passing of his, uh, of, of his late father has had. But, you, like, if, if I was, if I was to, to be given an interview with him, I'd try and steer the interview away to her. Well, I'd steer it in a way where, where he would open up on it, but I'm not directly asking him the question. Oh, so how do you how do you how do you feel about your your this being your first training camp without your dad or or what have you? Like, do you, uh, I, I I see both po- I see both points of uh, both sides though, of the right? argument. Yeah, yeah like, I do. Yeah, it's because you're in you're in this business. Like, if you had an opportunity to interview him. Just like you said, you might steer him in that direction. It's just that mm-hmm. some be- journalists are better than others. I just do not agree in dragging them when somebody does that to him. I understand that we're in our emotions and upset, but I'm telling you, the moment we tell journalists that they cannot do what they have to do, we have a problem in, in our country, your country, wherever it is, we need press. You know, But that's a whole nother conversation. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I see both sides of the argument as well. I'm just not like Kairos. who's like, man, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> not too many people can be like, I'm, I draw the line in the sand. Don't be talking that shit. It's for real, though. Like, I understand you You have a very valid point. I'm not going to sit here and be like, nah, fuck your point. These journalists, it you're right. We what should about not your stifle. dad? No, no. Yes. Ask the, yeah, yeah, there's a way to do it, and I don't okay, believe I in stifling the press. I really don't, you know. And and like Chisanga, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask stupid questions about his dad. And Khabib can shut it down at any point. I'm telling you right now, if y'all was like, let's talk about the person Gina lost, I'd be like, turn off the record. I'm gonna curse all y'all out right now, and then y'all would learn never to ask me that shit. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> he can do that, and that's okay. All right, guys. So we we kind mm-hmm. of already spoke about this beforehand. We spoke about um, Conor McGregor and how, uh, obviously the. The, the the dark build up to his fight with Habib Nurmagomedov, but 
as per uh, as per well, it, it seems that any time there's a pay per view, uh, Connor has inserted himself back into the conversation, and uh, it's really in from from my perspective, it kind of seems that it's also what Dana White said a couple of weeks ago that he's trying to steal steal the thunder of whoever is competing in the main main event of uh, of the card. Uh, I don't know if you saw his tweets the other was it last night or the night before when he was basically giving a round by round breakdown of his fight with Habib and saying, "Oh yeah, I won the fight." Blah 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 blah. He just, blocked I, me. I, I, I only I, know I, his I, stuff <laughs> when you send it to me. Just uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what 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 do you guys make of this? Like, is like I, I know obviously this like we were just talking about sti- like the freedom of speech and stifling people, but isn't it annoying? So, somewhat annoying to see the biggest star in in the sport well habitually and i'm i'm saying this like the the like charlie murphy habitually like a habitual line stepper he's habitually each time there's a there's a big event and there's the gloss on somebody else and somebody else gets the shine and they, they themselves can grow as a brand the corner inserts himself into it is that not frustrating and do you think that is like personally for me i don't think it's that good for the sport because i mean look at the what we should have been talking about after UFC 250 is how Amanda Nunes dismantled uh, Felicia Spencer. But instead, we were all talking about, and like myself, my editor is immediately, as soon as they saw that Conor McGregor retired, was like, oh, fuck everything else that you, you, it's happened that night. You've got to focus on this. Mm-hmm. Isn't it frustrating that he keeps stealing away the shine from everybody? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be the first because you know I'm the biggest Connor hater here probably. But um, even though I'm biased, I'm gonna be unbiased at the moment. Yeah, I do find it really annoying. You know, it's like, can he just have some decency to let Israel Adesanya have his little scandalous night and fun with Paulo Costa? Can he just let fighters have one night to themselves? Why can't he congratulate them that same night and then maybe in a couple of days make everything about himself? You know, and I I also think I have a suspicion that Connor feels like things are getting away from him a little bit because notice after he released those texts. Remember, Mike, I told you that he should have never did that shit. Now he's got deadlines. He has to fight at 155. He doesn't have Mm -hmm. the juice that he used to have. Okay, so I think he just needs to calm down with taking the shine from people, because now even like you said, Jasanga, Dana's even pointing it out. He's like, yo, he does this. He tweets. He he plays games, blah, blah, blah. So I think he needs to cool it because it's becoming transparent that he's taking the shine from other fighters and he's also not fighting enough to do so. I totally disagree. Mm. I think as a Connor fan and uh, always waving the Connor banner, I would say this, but he last fought when? January. It was January, right? Mm-hmm. But you'd think you'd think he fought last week. He's inserted himself into the conversation in February, March, April, May, June, as though every single month he's fighting. He's a master tactician when it comes to press, publicity and PR. Do you think, Connor? This is what we've all been screaming at other fighters to do, and that is make yourself known. Don't just say, oh, I'll fight who they put in front of me. Have a storyline behind you. Have an angle. And yet we're dissing Connor for inserting himself at every given opportunity to do the things that we say that we want other fighters to do. No. Connor, do your thing, bro. It's not about it's the time. It's the timing, though, Mike. That's that's the that's the, the main. Yeah. The, yeah, that's that's the main thing. That's it's, it's not the fact that. I, look, I I love it when fighters are vocal, and I I love I love it when Connor tweets and like the whole leak text message thing. 
Yeah, the timing wasn't great. It was before Izzy's fight, but I fucking loved it. Uh, like, spill the tea, man. I'm there with yeah. like I'm there like with Kermit sipping the tea, like you know the tea. Mm-hmm. The, Kermit, mm-hmm. I, I love I love I love seeing that. Right. But it's it's the timing for me. That's what, Kairos. I don't know if you agree with me or in in this sense, but what are your thoughts on it? I think you guys, Connor is in a very particular situation. That's mm-hmm. different from everybody else. Connor has millions of followers. Anything he tweets is going to get attention, regardless of when he tweets it, what he says, and what he does. Every single fighter on the UFC roster on fight nights tweeting, commenting about who they want to fight after a fight, who they want to see match up, how they feel about the events, and no one says shit about them stealing the shine because they don't have the type of pool that Connor has when he tweets. That's the only mm. difference. That's why people are so picky and choosy about this. You can't distinguish the two things and then say that they're different. It's the same exact thing. The only thing different is when Connor tweets it, more people are going to retweet it, so you're going to see it more frequently. Connor saying he wants to fight X fighter after a fight isn't him necessarily him sitting back nefariously thinking, I'm going to take the shine from these motherfuckers so I can step in and take the title. It's him saying, shit, I'm tweeting just like every other person on MMA Twitter, including Dustin Poirier. When Dustin Poirier tweets he wants to fight someone or is interested in fighting dan hooker or is interested in doing x y and z he's not stealing the shine away from people either when it's on the same night as them doing it bro cut it out y'all cut it we can't y'all i understand people want to say dustin poirier does that so fucking much and no one says anything because we like him and he's a nice guy you this guy became like a twitter celebrity with how great he is with interacting with people no one ever talks shit about what he does and he's doing the same exact thing with connor the only thing is he has a tenth of the following so you don't feel the impact as much Mm. it's like all right great this earthquake is a category eight that shit is hit yeah, you know, like yeah. let this man Connor get his tweets off, just like everybody else. That's why I'm like, when people say, "Oh, X Fighter needs to stop doing this, taking away the shine," it's not like he's intentionally trying to say, "Great, Amanda Nunes is retiring tonight. I'm a tweet and I'm a take See, it away from you." That's where I don't agree with you. I think it's intentional. I do. I don't think it's yeah, just oh he happens here. to tweet I, I, and his followers. I, I get think, your yeah. point that he has power and that. <laughs> Certain fighters cannot do what he does, or when they do it, nobody gives a shit because they don't have his following. He's doing it on purpose, Kairos. Like, I I'm, think it's I, intentional. I, I agree with you there, Kairos. He does have the traction, hence the reason why the simplest tweet gets major publicity, mm-hmm. gets major traction because it's Conor McGregor and the following that he has. But I do I, I agree with G. It's definitely intentional. But more power to him. Why not blow up your spot? Mm. Yeah. And you st- I, well, yeah, on you go, Kairos, on you go. I was what I was gonna say is okay. You're stealing shine from X fighter who will never even be in your stratosphere when it comes to well, you. You literally have <laughs> nothing to. You're not stealing nothing from them because they have nothing you that you need. You have what? If anything, if I tweet on the same night as your card, if I'm on your card, I am helping you. If anything, especially mm-hmm. if I say congratulations to X Y and Z, I'm trying to get up in there next. I just helped you. So as far as people saying, you took something away from me, you're taking away from their achievements, that isn't true. It doesn't work one way or the other, especially with someone as popular as Connor. That's why I don't like when people say that sort of thing, because it's like, all right, so him tweeting an event or him congratulating Israel Adesanya when he won the championship, that took away from Israel? No, that gave Israel a huge boost. Like, that's that's why I can't follow y'all down this path. Y'all are going down the wrong track. I can't follow y'all down this Underground Railroad. <laughs> no, 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 I'm with you, remember? Uh, we, we're going down the same track All together. Right, we good then, we good. And and what what's ringing in my ears is you're, you're damn right there. I mean, there's a famous saying that Connor said years and years ago, tank me, I want you to tank me. Yes. You're right. He adds tractions yeah. to their cards. That's true. That's true. But do you know what I hope doesn't happen? 
obviously Dana White's been saying, oh yeah, the Dustin fight, contracts just need to be signed, contract just needs to be signed. I take that with a pinch of salt. The contracts might already be signed. I hope that they do not announce this fight during the Khabib or thing or afterwards. I hope they do not do that because that would be the ultimate slap in the face. Yeah, it would be the ultimate disrespect to to, to Habib and, and to Justin Gaethje. Like, yeah. I, they I'm, do I'm no. That's relevant information. They do that for every other person's events too. When champions fight, oh, we announced this fight. They they do that all the time. Come on, no, no, no. Are y'all no. serious right different. now? This is oh different. Are you telling me that they wouldn't choose the biggest? I know, I know, I know. Platform which to do it? Come on now. That's what I'm saying. Like, what do y'all want from these people? (laughs) At least, at least give it till Monday. Do you know what I mean, or something? At least give it till Monday. (laughs) Yeah, it'll still be trending on Twitter on Monday. Come on, man. Just, just give it time. Just give now. Yeah, I, I just, I just don't want that to to happen for that to, for. To overshadow Habib, well, Habib or Justin's victory, to be honest. But I have a feeling it's going to happen, to be honest. So, I mean, yeah, well, we, we can talk about this next week. And obviously, <laughs> you know full well, if that does happen, people will be like, oh, the UFC are just playing sides, blah, 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 Connor. Or, you know, you never know. It could even depend on the manner of, like, say if, say if uh, Habib just grinds Justin Gaethje to a five-round victory. It's not an impressive victory. <laughs> Dana might just like send a text with like drop the trailer, drop the <laughs> drop the drop the trailer right now. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Speaking of two five four, you've got an extra special guest this week for us, haven't you, Chisanga? Indeed, I do. Earlier today, actually, well, what what day is it? Actually, you know, because this comes out tomorrow. So on when on Wednesday afternoon, I spoke to. The one, the only, Nathaniel, the prospect, would. And we previewed his UFC 254, God damn it, I'm tired. 254 uh, clash with Casey Kenny. And Casey Kenny, of course, just for, I think it was, was it two weeks ago, Casey Kenny for? It was, it was this yeah. month. It was recently. I think it was two or three weeks ago, yeah. Yes. Okay, so October 3rd. So Nathaniel was going into this fight on three weeks notice, which for me, it's it's admirable that he's taking the fight on such short notice. So I caught up with him earlier today to discuss fighting on short notice, his uh, victory over John Castaneda in July. I think that was uh, the last <clears throat> the last uh, fight island card of the, the three fight stint and a bit more. So check out our chat with Nathaniel now. So um, you're back to the island, back to fight island for the second time in three months. Uh, you happy with the quick turnaround? Yes, very happy. Um, I've been training ever since my last fight. You know, in my head, I actually wanted to get something in October. So, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that I was kind of staying ready for it is, you know, amazing that I've got this fight. And, you know, unfortunately, I wouldn't have been able to make it if it wasn't a catch weight. I did say that to the UFC because mm-hmm. it was on short notice. So, you know, the fact that we've agreed to a 140 catch weight, perfect. You know, it means I can make weight. I'm ready. I'm fit. I'm sharp. I'm ready to go. And, you know, put on a show for you guys. And how how good is it not having to cut the the extra five pounds? Obviously, something you don't want to get yeah. used to doing. But obviously, obviously, in the circumstances, it, it it was a requirement for the fight to happen. Well, I'm still cutting just as much weight as I normally would cut to one thirty. Ah, okay. But obviously, instead of having to diet for you know ten weeks, yeah, I've only had to you know really be strict for these last three weeks. So, you know, as I say, it's still going to be just as crap as the the, the previous ones, but it's doable you know the 
the if I had to cut to one thirty five on three weeks' notice, you know, I just don't think I would make it. Yeah. And if I did make it, I wouldn't want to be fighting. That's for sure. Yeah, and like of. Given the the global financial situation, you don't want to have a situation where you agree to make one thirty five on three weeks notice, and then you can't, and then you have to forfeit some of your purse. I'm sure that was you know some of your thinking. Not that you would have missed weight, but just maybe that was in the back of your mind slightly. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's always going to be in the back of your mind. But for me, it's more letting the UFC down. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Obviously, you have to give twenty percent of your purse if you um, fail to make weight. But for me, it just doesn't look professional. And, you know, I'm a professional, so, you know, I like to um, be open and honest with the UFC, which is exactly what I was. You know, I didn't want to be one of those guys that said, yeah, I can make 135 and then I weigh in at 140. And, you know, then yeah. the UFC potentially are scrapping a fight on the night. Um, so, yeah, you know, I was just openly honest with them and said, look, I can fight. This is what I can do. But, you know, we're going to have to come to a, an agreement on the catchweight. Mm-hmm. And obviously you, you touched on it there. This is uh, you, you've taken this fight in th- three weeks notice this is well is this arguably your shortest uh, uh notice camp that you've ever had in your career uh yes i would say this is the shortest notice camp but i've been getting ready for it if that makes mm-hmm. sense so, yeah you know after my last fight in my head i was thinking right i want to get get something at the you know end of october um didn't look like it was happening so that's why hence you know i was a little bit heavy because even though i'm still training i'm still training twice a day you know, obviously, I've been eating a lot more than I would normally be eating. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, now we've agreed to the catch weight. It's, it's no problem at all. Um, I'm just as fit. I'm just as strong as I normally am. And, you know, as I say, I, I'm going to be able to make weight. So, you know, I'm just blessed that I can get another one in this year and, you know, put on a show for you guys. That's good. Now, some fighters are reluctant to take short notice fights as they want the ample time training and they want the ample time, as you touched on it there, to diet. Did that thought... Of, did the thought of not accepting this fight at all cross your mind? Uh, no. If they had obviously said you got to make one thirty-five, I would have just been open and honest and said, mm-hmm. "No, guys, I'm not not going to make weight on that short notice." Um, but in regards to needing eight ten weeks to get mentally ready and physically ready, I don't need that. You know, I'm fit all year round, mm-hmm. and if making weight wasn't an issue, then I could fight every week. You know this. I'm like, I explain to people like, I'm a footballer, you know, footballers play football, mm-hmm. but I'm a fighter, I fight, you know, I don't get um, really anxious and nervous about the fight as such, you know, this is just something that I enjoy, I get to go out there and showcase my skills on what I train every single day, um, it's just about making weight, and, you know, to make 135 pounds, that's why normally I'd need, you know, eight, ten weeks notice, so, you know, the fact that, as I say, we made it a catch weight, it meant that, you know, I can come in fight i'm fit i'm healthy and you know i'm just as good as i would have been even if i had eight ten weeks notice mm-hmm. well you, you touched on it there you say you're just as good as uh, you would have been if you had eight to ten weeks or 12 week notice but the benefit of this shorter training camp is that you don't put so much demand on your body are you feeling that benefit going into this fight already because like some fighters they 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 overtrain for eight or ten weeks and then when they go into the week of the weight cut they just feel horrendous so are, are you feeling that benefit of only well, having just three weeks to prepare? Oh, for sure. Mentally, a fight camp can be very draining. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone like myself who trains all year round, I don't really need a fight camp. But, you know, as I say, mm-hmm. I always tell myself, oh, I need eight, 10 weeks notice to, to mentally get ready for it, which, you know, I don't. It's more, it's more again, about the wake up. Um, you know, I obviously need a long time to, 
start to bring the weight down at a, a safe level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, the fact that I can fight on three weeks' notice and I'm already, I'm already sharp, I'm already, you know, in good shape, I'm, I'm fit, I'm strong, I'm ready to go. Then, you know, I have no, um, no doubts in my mind whatsoever. And well, not looking too far into the future, but, but I mean, if, if if you win and you don't take too much damage. Well, would you do another one this year? Because I know there's still a few cards. Uh, well, there's going to be, I think, three cards in November. Then there's uh, three in December. Would you happily hop on one of those again? Obviously, I'm not. I'm not looking past Casey Kenny. Yeah. Um, but you know, come away, get that win. You know, I'll speak to the UFC and see what they want. Um, but with the way I'm hearing things in London, we might be back in lockdown. And, you know, oh, don't like say that. that. Don't I say that, don't please, think- mate. Yeah, I don't think I'll get another one this year. You know, I think it'll be twenty twenty one. You know, unless you know I come home and the gyms are all still open and everything's as normal. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I might it might be sensible to just take the rest of the year out and with regards to the the potential lockdown situation i don't know if you were keeping tabs on the situation in liverpool where, uh, with all the gyms and what have you but um now the government have allowed uh, uh, well they're allowing uh, liverpool gyms to stay open during the tier 3 lockdown because obviously for physical and mental health so i would assume that would be the the same case here so that won't affect your training in any way shape or form amazing that's the first i've heard of it so um yeah, you know, that's good to hear. Okay, so last time you were in Fight Island, you, of course, locked horns with uh, John Castaneda and you won by unanimous decision. It was a dominant performance. Going into that fight, you said that you wanted to make a, a statement following the loss to John Dodson. Did you feel that you did that in that fight with John? I think so. The mistakes that I made in the Dodson fight was rushing, you know, being um, very eager to finish the fight as opposed to, you know, hitting smart and you know, picking my opponent apart. Mm-hmm. So it would have been nice to obviously finish John Casaneda, but to get a three-round unanimous decision and supposedly ranked 20th in UFC history for most significant strikes mm-hmm. in a fight, you know, it goes to show that the, the lessons that I took from the Dodson fight were working. You know, I went away with my coaches and we, we worked more about being patient and, you know, timing your shots. So, you know, I'd like to think that's what I'd done on the Castaneda fight and, you know, I came out with no injuries. So, you know, so far the... um the loss from Dodson, it's only made me a better fighter. Mm-hmm. And you, you touched on it there. You were very methodical in, in that fight. How how hard is it to go from wanting to go in for the kill? Uh, well, not all the time. Obviously, you've been methodical in, in the past as well. But how hard is it to, to shift your mindset from when you potentially have someone hurt or when you see an opening um, to just being a bit more patient? Because obviously coming off a loss, that's kind of like the, um, you know, lesson learned. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a tough pill to swallow, but, you know, as I say, it's made me a better fighter. And if I hadn't taken that loss, then, you know, maybe I would fight a little bit more emotional and maybe not listen to my cornermen as much when they're saying, right, he's back a bit. But, you know, obviously learning from that loss and having my cornermen, you know, in, in an arena with no... It's very easy to listen and it's very easy to remind myself that, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to take your time and, you know, slowly chop the tree down. Mm-hmm. And, okay, moving moving on to the fight with Casey itself. He was in action, I think, just about three weeks ago or maybe two weeks ago 
against uh, Haile Alatane. Did you watch the fight? And if so, what did you make of it? I've watched most of it, but I've, I've watched it just, you know, half on my phone, half watching it, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked good, but the problem is, is the guy he was fighting, to me, just stood there like a, a punch bag. You know, he literally, I think um, Casey Kenny threw like three body kicks in one go and the guy didn't return anything. He didn't yeah. move out of the way. So, you know, it's it's easy to look good when you're not, the guy that you're fighting is not doing anything. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping that Casey Kenny's going to come in here un- underestimating me. I think he's overlooking me. And, you know, I think he's on that winner's high and, you know, he's expecting a similar performance to what he just had. But, you know, I can assure you I'm a complete different fighter. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the majority of Casey's uh, wins that have come inside the distance have come via submission. I'm assuming that you, you uh, yourself and Brad, you're anticipating him to try and get the fight to the ground as soon as possible. I think he's going to shoot for a takedown because I think that he's going to feel out of depth on the striking. Um, but as I say, you know, I actually started with grappling. You know, mm-hmm. I've been grappling for 11 years now. So, you know, I'm very comfortable in the grappling exchanges. Um, and if he takes the fight to the ground, then so be it. You know, if he can get me down, that is, then, you know, I've got a, a good submission background. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, uh, I'm pretty confident that if he takes me down, you know, I can win the fight via um, submission. Now, I know, like as you said earlier in this interview, you, know, you never want to overlook your opponent or look too far into the future. But have you at all thought of how you want 2021 to look for you next year in terms of activity, in terms of opponents? Um, no one specific. I just want to work my way, obviously, towards that goal. So, mm-hmm. you know, beat Casey Kenny, I'd like to think they're going to put me in the top 15 at least. Yeah. And then, you know, I feel like I'll, I'll be taken a little bit more seriously than when I'm calling out the top 10. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'll obviously have to see what the UFC want from me and, you know, what the other guys in the bantamweight division are getting matched up with. So, you know, I'll just stay ready, as I say, and, you know, hopefully 2021, I can definitely make my way into that top 10 and, you know, start chasing the belt. Mm-hmm. And final question for me, I appreciate the time as, as always. Uh, how does this, in your mind, how does this fight with Casey Kenny play out? Well, I, I see myself winning by a TKO or knockout in the second round. You know, I think the first round he's going to come out very aggressive and, you know, as I say, think he can stand and come the second round, you know, I think I'm going to um, start to pick him apart and, you know, finish the fight. Nathaniel, it's a pleasure to speak to you as always. Enjoy the sun in Abu Dhabi. It's absolutely pissing it down here with rain in London right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm immensely jealous. Hopefully you can enjoy it after the fight and uh, take care and speak soon. Okay, guys, you, heard, you all heard from Nathaniel Wood there. What do you make of him taking this fight on three weeks' notice? I know, obviously, it's a catch weight of, of 130, or not 130, 140, sorry. Obviously, Nathaniel's a bantamweight at 135. What do you think of taking a fight on three weeks' notice? And, 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 I mean, especially during these circumstances where you can't really train as much as you can and you have to have a certain bubble with who you can train with. Like, I mean... Props to Nathaniel. Like, obviously, he stays in shape, and so that this isn't going to be too much of a arduous cut for him to get to one forty. But what are your thoughts on him taking the fight on three weeks' notice, and what are your predictions for the fight? I never thought I'd say this as somebody who, as you know, has been waving the banner for Nathaniel Wood from the longest while, from his amateur days, followed each and every fight. I'm worried for him. I'm worried that. 
this is COVID-19 times. This is, I don't really have that length and depth of training partners time. This is basically somebody who is going up, or Nathaniel Wood is going up against somebody whose tools are sharp. He's literally just come out of the cage, what, mm. two or three weeks ago. And Casey Kenny um, is fight ready. I can't really say confidently the same for Nathaniel Wood. I'm worried because Nathaniel Wood looks amazing when he's had an incredible camp, when he can talk about, mm-hmm. you know, the depth of um, bodies that he's had to work with. I don't think he's in that advantageous position at the moment. I'm slightly worried and I, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards Casey Kenny taking the victory on this one. Um, I'm, a, I'm with Mike. I'm really worried about Nathaniel Wood. Um, that fight I mentioned on October 3rd, uh, Casey Kenny really impressed me against Haile Alatang. And then, yeah. of course, I, you know, I did a little snooping in his background. He's a former champion, Tachi Palace fights, um, yeah. flyweight champion over there. He was a former champion at uh, Legacy Fighting Alliance. Um, this guy knows how to fight. Yes, he's a contender series pup, but this is a formidable challenge for Nathaniel mm. Wood. And he's highly confident. I saw a um, interview with him today, fellas, where he was calling Nathaniel Wood politely, of course, but he says the guy has a basic type of, you know, approach to things, and he's ready to go out there and beat him up. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm worried for Nathaniel, and especially what Mike you were saying about COVID. We don't know in three weeks' notice is he ready for such an opponent. Meanwhile, Casey there you is. Go. Yeah, Casey's ready. Yes. Yeah. I think that the playing field is a little bit more level just because the fact that Casey doesn't know what Nathaniel's necessarily bringing to the table. He hasn't had that much time to study what he's going to do and vice versa. I think that if mm-hmm. they were going to fight, this is probably the best chance that he would have at beating uh, Casey Kinney because he doesn't have time to prepare for him. Um, and in fact, I think I'm would I think I'm going to lean towards Nathaniel Wood in this. I understand that Casey Kinney has a speed and athleticism advantage. He probably is a little bit better at boxing. But when I watched his last performance, I was not impressed by Casey Kinney. That guy did not belong in the octagon with Casey whatsoever. And yeah. when, when the skill discrepancy is that large, it's almost your civic duty to finish them. And you he that's couldn't true. get the job that's done. True. So that's why I'm not holding that much weight to him. I think Nathaniel Wood's about to surprise some people. He's he's going to come out there and he might. Uh, and plus, he got nothing to worry about. Casey ain't finishing nobody. Casey couldn't finish his birthday cake, let alone an opponent. I think Nathaniel Wood's going to be all right. Yeah, well, I, I was impressed with uh, Nathaniel's win over, who do you fight last? John Castaneda. And that was, he was initially meant to fight um, Umar Nurmagomedov, but obviously the yeah. the, the, the passing of Abdumana uh, led to that fight being scrapped. But that was him coming, uh, coming back off the, the loss to John Dodson. And, what really impressed me about Nathaniel that night was that he was very methodical. Because, like, if, if you remember in the Judd Dunson fight before he got uh, before he got finished, he became very reckless because obviously he had the cut above his eye, and I think he was conscious of oh shit, the referees they they might stop this or uh, the doctor might stop this, and then he became reckless and he got caught coming in. But against John Casanada, like, I mean, it's just very methodical. He took his time, he picked his shots, and he looked good. So. I mean, I think he's going to be bringing her confidence and I'm picking him to get the, the W on Saturday. Seeing as though we are um, picking and uh, choosing winners and losers, I'm going to fast forward just before we go to the main event. <laughs> Khabib the Mega Madoff versus oh. Justin Gaethje. Who have we got? I'm going to go first. I have got Justin Gaethje. Thank oh. you! People are sleeping on his wrestling. A lot of people... You know, see him as this brawler. See him as his stand-up merchant. Don't no, even get me started. Got, Don't even get me he, started, man. You know who I'm got, on about. He you, has got 
the full package. But the full package hasn't been seen until today. Trust me, Gaethje is going to surprise a few people. He's going to provide an upset here. If you got your sanga, you you chimed in there. Let uh, the name you get you started. Who are you talking about? Come on, buy some shots. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking about? Oh man. Okay, you can just switch up uh, TB the letters and then sport, and then you you know who I'm talking about. Anyway, anyway, as it, as it pertains to this matchup, yeah, I, I, I obviously Justin Gaethje was a NCAA Division Division One wrestler in, in Colorado, I, I believe. But at the same time, we haven't seen him use his wrestling in the UFC for a long time. And the wrestling the, uh, prowess that we, we've seen him showcase was offensive wrestling, not defensive wrestling, not scrambles or whatever. So whilst obviously his wrestling pedigree gives, uh, quite rightly gives people uh, reason to think, oh yeah, he could be the one. We don't know if his skills are, are on par, like MMA wrestling skills are on par to, to, well, to deal with the scrambles and the constant, no, well, with Habib, it's 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 not the initial takedown attempt. It's the chain wrestling. It's a different yes. type of wrestling. It's the pressure that he puts up against the cage. And again, with wrestling NCAA, you just wrestle on an open mat. There is no cage. There is no like. So, I mean, Justin can can train for well, however many however many months, three four months to try replicate that pressure and, and what have you. But I just don't know if you can. And so for me. Don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Justin Gaethje come back and, and win the title. This isn't me saying that. I want to see Habib lose or whatever. But just the journey that Justin Gaethje uh, has been on, obviously, the, the losses to Eddie Alvarez and the, to Dustin Poirier, and then to come back and go on a four-fight win streak, like wi- winning via KO or TKO, it's, it's phenomenal, man, because everybody counted him out. Everybody counted Justin Gaethje out after his loss to, well, uh, uh, after his loss to Poirier. So it, I mean... It'd be yeah, a fairy I'm, I'm counting them out on, on this one too. Um, <clears throat> oh <my> God. <laughs> so yeah, I'm counting them out. Um, I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't think I think you can prepare for Khabib as as much as you want, but once that cage closes and you're in there with him, there is no answer. And Justin Gaethje sounds like every fighter that has ever fought Khabib. I'm this. I'm that. He's never faced me. It's my time. Yada yada yada. They say the same shit. And then they go out there and they drown. And I, this is how I predict how things are going to go. Justin is going to land something on him and hard, and he's going to skate. But you know what Khabib does when he gets punched. He goes back, he avoids major shots, and then he puts you against the fence and the wrestling, it becomes even more intense. And that is what's going to happen, I think. And mm-hmm. there's no answer to Khabib right now. And I think he just falls prey to that. That's it. I think it's gonna be a fourth round, yeah. fourth round submission for for mm-hmm. Habib. That's that's my prediction. Yeah. Come on, Kairos. Get the fuck out of here, both of y'all. We're gonna argue this entire time. We don't agree on anything. We are a team. We are. We are united. Let me tell y'all something right now. There is a recipe to beat Habib. The fact of the matter is simple. It's just when people get in there, they don't execute. There's one thing that I notice a lot about these mixed martial artists, and a lot of them refuse to stick to the game plan. Where does Habib get most of his takedowns from? The outer yes. octagon. Where does he control yes, you the yes. most? Against the cage. What does Habib do the most? 47%. I want y'all to think about this number right now. 47%. That is, is his takedown percentage with accuracy. He's not taking everybody down on every single shot. Yes, sure, it's the chain wrestling. 
what does Justin Gaethje always do? Move forward and control the center of the cage. He's mm -hmm. going to force Habib to wrestle him in the center of the octagon for 25 minutes straight. And Justin Gaethje isn't out here just to not lose. He fights to win, which is why he came out on the wrong side of TKOs against two great strikers. And Justin yeah. Gaethje is offensive. He is not going to sit back and counter like Dustin, like Connor, like everybody else. He is going to set up his offense and vary his striking too. That's the thing that a lot of these strikers do not do against Habib. Michael Johnson, pure boxer. Edson Barbosa, straight kicker. Conor McGregor, counterpunch boxer. Dustin Poirier, counterpunch boxer. What is Justin Gaethje? Offensive genius, mastermind, out there varying the attack to the legs, varying the attack to the body, attacking that. We might even see a goddamn head kick from Justin Gaethje out there when he has to be pushed <laughs> up against the gates. Y'all are going to sit here and act like this man did not change all of the gripes that we had about his offense and defensive problems against Tony. We're going to act like this guy's weaknesses are still glaring? No. No, oh, no, 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 wait, no. no, 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 I'm, 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 Justin Gaethje has evolved, he's evolved like a Pokemon, he's gone from, like, Charmander to Charizard, like, he's, he's skipped Charmeleon, do you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean, like, I said Charizard. The, <laughs> the, this the, man's 40 years old talking yeah. about Pokemon. Oh <laughs> I'm, I'm 31, I'll have you, I'll have you. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, yes, Justin Gaethje has evolved, and, it annoys me that there's still this narrative that, oh, he's just this blower or what have you. No, he's not. He's very methodical and he's very patient. And what I loved about the Tony fight is that when Trevor Rittman told him, oh, yeah, take take 10% off your punches and just set them up a little bit more. He did exactly that. The old Justin Gaethje would have just been like, no, fuck that. I'm just going to go win wing and punches. Not that he sounds like that or whatever, but that's that's a, that's a shit impression. That's a shit impression of Justin Gaethje. But... Uh, one thing that I'm also intrigued intrigued to see is because Justin Gaethje, for a while now, he he, he keeps saying that the key to beating Habib is take take well taking his lead leg out for him. And Justin Gaethje, we we know, is renowned yeah. for his for his leg kicks as well. So it'll be interesting to see right. is, to see how he how he sets them up because well not just from the outside his leg kicks are devastating it's from the inside he can weirdly turn his hip over and throw these leg kicks from like inside the clinch as well so i mean i don't think he's going to be afraid to 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 like as you say kairos meet habib in the middle and then grapple with him there because if you can get a couple of those kicks off then i mean habib's ability to shoot is going to be compromised but and he's brilliant with his kicks his kicks aren't i'm mm -hmm. setting them up it's reactionary it's like okay i see that you're off balance with throwing this which habib throws so many strikes off he's going to catch yeah. you in the pocket throwing something off balance and then he attacks your leg when you can't get out the way when you can't check it that's what that's why i don't understand why people are acting like justin gaethje has ever fought like he's some mindless zombie like no, he sees what yeah. you're doing yeah. and he's attacking you according he, yeah. he he's been teeing off on people his yeah. entire career reactionally like this guy he's, is he's He's a savant yes, out there. I totally this one, agree with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what I like about him now is that he he, he doesn't right. just lead head first anymore. Do you know what I mean? That like if he sees the opening, because there, there there have been times that where he, like he'll get a bit excited or what have you. But now he's just more methodical. He's more patient and he's willing to well he, he's willing to well take the fight a bit longer to get the victory and. But again, I, I, I'll stick by what I said. I, I still just don't see him as defensive wrestling well, stopping, stopping Habib. But you never know. Like if, if I was about to say, I was about to say, if, if I'm if I'm proven wrong, I'll do I'll do some twenty five push ups or what have you. But ah, okay. <laughs> now we get six months later. We're doing it. So so are, are, are we doing this? Because I'm down for twenty five. 
I'm going I'll do, 25. I'll, I'll do 25. Eat 25 oh, for shit. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Come wow. On, Big talk. <laughs> Go on, Charizard. I'll do 25. I'll do 25 too. All right. Jay, you in for 25? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, that's a bet. We haven't got long to wait. Next couple of days is going to be uh, intense and uh, fight night is going to be upon us. We're going to be back next week with another episode of Shots Fired. Until then, enjoy the fights. Peace, people. Separate the weak from the oxa, leap hard to creep the Brooklyn street. It's on again, stop all that bickering beat.